Happy fall. Happy fall. We made it. Oh. What? We made it. Oh, you made we made it. I thought you said you hate it. Oh, no. It's like no, you're I'm in, in you're I'm in Maine. Maine. Yeah, the fall's beautiful. Like the best place you could be. You're going to go to Acadia for the colors? Uh, probably not. What? Mainly because whenever the colors are nice, that means Acadia is just crammed full of people. Look, you go early in the morning and do precipice, you will not regret oh, it. Oh, that's true. I have yet it's to do precipice. so good. Precipice? Really? Is, I know, I know, I know. I love uh, Beehive, which is sort of like a low-key version of precipice. Yeah, it's precipice junior. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kelly and I did, we did precipice and then we did Beehive. Oh, we did there we the, go. In the opposite order. In the same day? Uh, I think, yeah, in the same day. Wow. That day ruined us. We did a lot of hiking, a lot of ascending, a lot of descending. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I did something to my um, like hip flexor, and I couldn't walk without limping the next day. Oh, no. You should you yeah. have done uh, like precipice and then like Jordan Pond or something, which is just like a nice chill level. I, yeah, we should have. Mm, that's fair. We did. L- live and learn. Yep, 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 yep. That's fair. It was worth it in the end because um, all those hikes are just stunning. Yeah. Yeah. It's like oh, we were doing yeah. like Beehive and every time you, we had to stand in line on Beehive because mm, there sure. were so many people at it. Sure. Uh, but every time we like walked around a corner, it was just another gorgeous view of like yeah. the harbor or the cliff sides. Uh, Acadia is so nice. It's the only national park we got, but man, it, it, uh, it punches but above it's, its weight. It's a ringer. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Plus it's by Bahaba. Bahaba. Yeah, Bangor. Walk, Everybody loves to that. Ellsworth on your way. Get some and stuff. we got to see you while we were there. Heck so. yeah. Got some Mexican food in Maine. <laughs> That's right. That's what you're looking for when you're in Maine, right? <laughs> you're kind of Maine. You got to get real yeah, authentic. We went, to, we went to Walmart together. That's true. That's true. That's true. Got some uh, Clementines. Uh, I, I am a week behind on Rings of Power, so. Oh, yeah, me too. Times five. You, you haven't, you haven't, that's right. You haven't seen any of it. It's uh, fall season. I'm going to watch fall shows, not Rings of Power. What? Oh, you're going to watch uh, Over the Garden Wall? The perfect yes, fall show. I will watch that, certainly. Hell yeah. I mean, it's October's in, what, two days? It's like the perfect month to watch it. Yeah, That's so exactly. Good. That's my plan. That's a rock be a good that. time. And Hocus Pocus 2. Yeah. You know, I, I, I saw Hocus Pocus 1 for the first time like two years ago. And that movie rocks. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it scared a- me so much as a child. And I watched it again and I was like, not, not yeah, this isn't that bad. No. No. Is, that, is that Sarah Jessica Parker? It is. That's so weird. That's yeah. so weird. And Hocus Pocus 2 is the same cast. Oh, really? Yeah. They're back. The Sanderson sisters. Heck yeah. Should be a good time. Should be fun. Yeah. Is it set in the modern day and not whenever that movie was originally filmed, like the 90s or 80s, remember? I have no idea. I don't know anything about it other than that there is a second one now. That's fair. That's fair. You know what else, you know what else there's a second one of? My attempt at this intro. Hey, hey. everyone, welcome to <laughs> Reference Frames Podcast. Wow. That's, the that's... only podcast on air where you can listen to two physics dorks talk about physics mm-hmm. and nerd things at the same time. And probably the only one that's mentioned Acadia so far. Hopefully. If you're new to the show, welcome aboard. If you're not new to the show, welcome aboard. We're going to do the same thing we always do, which is start by correcting ourselves in the past. Doo-doo. And then Will's going to do a little, a little narration. And then we're going to learn about some physics. Then we're going to talk about those physics, then we're going to answer a question from the audience, and then we'll have some outro banter, and then we'll all go home happy. Okay? Is that a good roadmap? It's a great roadmap. It's the best roadmap I've heard it seen all day. Yeah, thank you. I worked hard on it. Banter, 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 banter. Do we have any corrections this week? Hold on. Let me check my correction pamphlet. Oh. It's a pamphlet because of how few corrections we have. 
flip opening. Russell, 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 flip. Pat, no. Pat. There's none. There's nothing. Not a single correction in here. Rip that in half. No need for that pamphlet. Hold on. Let me open the door and throw it out. Welcome to the radio show. <laughs> radio shows uh, so are so with, much fun. Sorry. Yeah, we should do a radio show. With no corrections to be had this week, would you like to get us into a little physics lesson? For sure. <clears throat> Among a desolate landscape, a tribe of primitive hominins are seen gathering food from bushes and fending off the occasional hungry taper. A rival tribe drives them from their watering hole in a screaming confrontation, and they retreat to a small hollow in the dusty plain. Their leader wakes to find a strange sight. A tall, perfectly smooth black monolith standing in the middle of the hollow. Discordant singing begins, rising in intensity, and there is great fear and excitement among the tribe, hooting and hollering in their confusion, before a curious member manages to work up the courage to touch the strange structure. The singing, building this whole time, reaches a fever pitch as they gather all around, all fawning and feeling the smooth enigma before them as the sun rises. A sharp cut to a peaceful morning. No sound but the wind over the hills, the trill of the insects, and the occasional bird's cry. The tribe is now seen rooting around a wide hollow, the leader digging around the bleached bones of a deceased ruminant before something catches his eye. A vision of the monolith, a spark of inspiration, as Strauss's thus spake Zarathustra steadily builds in the background. The hominin grasps a bone in his hand, and begins to wield it as a club, teeth bared, and proceeds to smash the skeleton to bits, reveling in its newfound understanding. It does not take them long to return to their watering hole, now walking low upon two legs and holding aloft their newfound weapons. The other tribe's leader is summarily beaten, the rest driven off, and the leader in celebration flings his bone weapon high into the air. In perhaps the most famous cut in cinema history, we closely follow the bone as it spins in the air before it abruptly transitioning to a view of a spacecraft among the stars. Now. Strauss's, that's the other Strauss's, Blue Danube Waltz begins to play as we see various space stations pirouetting as they hang above the Earth below. Thus begins one of the most famous works by one of the most famous film directors of all time. Ah, uh, Ian. Have you ever seen 2001 Space Odyssey? I've never seen this movie. It took me so long to figure I, I, out <laughs> until you said Sprague's Air Thrustra. I was like, what are we talking about? Yeah, it, it's a strange opening. Well, to be fair, it's a strange movie. The opening and ending yeah. are particularly strange. I do. Have to, I gotta see it though. I would recommend it. I've only ever seen the first half, and then obviously this scene as I was preparing for this, or the second sure. half. Sure. Um, it's 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 good, but it's weird. All right. So there's not a lot. Okay. There's not wow. a lot to go on. Maybe there. No, not a ton. Uh, some ideas that I had while we were discussing. Was definitely um, texture, okay. I guess. There's a little bit of like friction if you want to talk about this obelisk, mm. this smooth obelisk, and how a finger might glide over that. There's spinning. Spinning? I don't know what it could possibly be. 
I'll be honest, this one's kind of a rude one. Oh, no. It's Wait, is it going to offend situation. Matt and his family? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> uh, Let's find out. What is it? Today we're talking about orbits. <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, it's a bit of a that, that whole... Serious? That's what you picked? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a... I'm flipping my table over here. <laughs> <laughs> so hear me the out. The very last scene of it? Yeah. I mean, this, this, <laughs> you just wanted to read 2001 Space Odyssey. It's a good, I, mean, I wanted to move, do a movie at some point. It's a classic. Um, but no, to be fair, I mean, you know, chucks a thing into the air, there's orbiting things, you know, it's, it's a weak connection, but it's there. <laughs> no, you're not supposed to say that. That's our whole thing is the connection. Well, we'll talk about it's the connection. It's a strong connection. We'll talk about the connection when we get there. It's a great connection and you're all going to understand it better because of how Will describes it's true. orbiting. It's true. All right, Ian. Right, Will? Exactly right. Perfect. So Take it away. recall our discussion regarding dodging wrenches back in uh, episode 15, the dodgeball episode. Um, in there, we kind of talked about, you know, whole dodging wrenches versus dodging balls. We talked about object trajectories when they're thrown. Uh, if we ignore air resistance, they tend to fall back to the ground, right, in an arc, parabolic arc, right? Right. And this is generally familiar to anyone who's ever thrown anything or any or seen basically any sport, right? Objects tend to fall down. Not that crazy, right? That's one of their things. Yeah. Yeah. So here is a famous and potentially apocryphal. I actually don't know the source of this, but uh, it's attributed to a thought experiment. Um, it's attributed to uh, Isaac Newton. So let's say we have a cannon, right? Good old fashioned right. cannon. And let's say we we have it, you know, on a on a platform, you know, maybe ten feet or whatever off the ground. We fire a cannonball horizontally. Right? Oh, yep. Oh. All right, cool. So as we've discussed previously, right, that cannonball will shoot out and it'll, it'll slowly fall down to the earth, right, as all things do. Right. Cool. Because of gravity. Right, because gravity pulls it down and, you know, eventually it'll fall. And for this discussion, we're going to be ignoring air resistance because we're physicists here. And that's what we tend to do. That's um, kind of how we roll. We'll bring the air resistance back in when we talk about real world situations. But, yeah, so fire this cannonball off. It flies out maybe... I don't know, a mile or something like that, and then falls down and hits the ground. If you fired it faster, what would happen to you? Would it travel the, it would follow go, the same path? It would go further before it hit the ground. Yeah, but it would still hit the ground, right? Yeah. Eventually it'll land. In, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, and one kind of thing to keep in mind here is that if it goes further, that means it's following a, a less tight curve, right? So it's a, it's a tighter curve the slower it goes, right? Right, falls closer yeah. to it. Right, it falls a tighter curve. As it becomes more of a straight line, it's exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. faster it goes, the longer it takes to curve downwards. Yeah, cool. So that's great. We're talking about this. That's kind of in the context of like the flatness that we observe around us on the Earth. But remember that we do ultimately live on a curved object, right? The Earth is a <laughs> it is a sphere or a spheroid, right? It sure no is. No matter what some may say. Um. And so this curving path of this trajectory kind of leaves us a few options, right? So we talked about it before. If we fire a cannon like normal, it'll curve downwards towards the earth and it'll land at some point, right? But if we fired it super, super, super fast, right, the earth's curvature itself will actually curve downwards faster than the actual trajectory will, right? If we kind of extend that, that fast cannon shot even to the extreme, It'll curve less fast than the curvature of the Earth will underneath it, right? Sure. 
which ultimately means that its altitude, right, the distance between it and the Earth will actually increase and it'll go flying off into space, basically. That means you launch it into space, effectively, right? Yeah, right. But there's a special case where if you fire it at just the right speed, that that curving trajectory will exactly match the Earth, right? It's not too slow where it'll curve too quickly and hit the Earth. It's not too fast where it'll curve too slowly and just entirely leave the Earth. Mm -hmm. At just the right rate, it'll, it'll follow the exact same curve as the Earth, and therefore, it'll never go up or down relative to the Earth's surface. It'll just kind of follow, it'll follow along at, at a constant altitude. You're saying it's going fast enough, mm-hmm. but not so fast that it's falling and the Earth is curving away from it. Exactly. So it's like the Earth is running away from the ball. Exactly. But they're never, oh, it's so sad. They never touch. Yeah, exactly. And, and in this context where there's no air resistance, remember, there's no air, there's no atmosphere or whatever, right? There are and, no unforeseen bumps. Yeah, and there's no bumps or mountains or buildings in the way, right? That cannonball will, you know, we fired it off at 10 feet. It'll stay 10 feet above and go all the way around the planet and hit the cannon right in the back, right? Right. Because the Earth's falling away at the same rate. That's assuming, you know, mm-hmm. it's a spherical Earth or whatever. So this is fundamentally what's happening whenever any object is in orbit around any celestial body. So effectively, any object that's orbiting is falling towards the thing it's orbiting at the same or it, yeah it's falling towards the thing but it's moving fast enough where it'll it's always missing the earth or right. whatever it's orbiting and it's never falling at a, at a fast enough rate to actually impact and it's not falling at a slow enough rate where it'll just leave it's just always going around and around and around so it's always chasing the body's curvature that it's orbiting right does that make sense i've always heard it described as you're not falling fast enough exactly exactly cool you cool with that so far Ian? I think I'm cool with that so far. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And this is actually why people on non-spinning, specifically satellites, like the ISS in, in, in you know, low Earth orbit, why they feel, quote unquote, weightless, right? They don't actually feel weightless. What they feel like is like anyone that's in free fall. So if you've ever been on a roller coaster that's done a big dive or on a Tower of Terror where they drop you on this big tower thing or elevators that accelerate downwards really quickly... And all of those, you feel your stomach kind of rise up into your chest and you feel like you're uh, falling, you know? That is what yep. they feel like in space because that's what you're doing in space. If you're orbiting, you are falling towards the planet. Right. So you call it weightlessness. That's because you're not accelerating downwards any faster than the thing you're in is accelerating downwards. So you're all moving at the, you're all falling at the same rate. You and the ISS and everything else in the ISS are all falling down at the same rate. Um, they just never actually managed to hit the Earth. Cool. So... They're not weightless because they're not experiencing gravity. They are experiencing gravity. It's always pulling them towards the Earth. It's just that they'll never hit the Earth because they're moving fast enough tangentially to the Earth. Does that make sense? That makes sense cool. to me. Just want to yeah. clear that up. All right. So, interestingly, this whole cannonball picture, right? We can't talk about this. This means that literally, as long as you can ignore air resistance, any altitude above the Earth can allow for an orbit. You could be 10 feet off the surface of the Earth, 100 feet off the surface of the Earth, as long as you're, you know, not touching the Earth, not going to hit the Earth at any point. There's no air resistance. You could always go around at any height. And the closer you right. are to the Earth or anybody, the faster you need to go to not to miss all the time. So the higher up you get, the slower you need to go to orbit. The closer, the faster. And since it's basically an atmosphere on the moon, that means that as long as you're higher than the highest mountain on the moon, you can basically orbit it safely at whatever speed is necessary for that height. Because there's no atmosphere. You're never going to slow down. And that's where the air resistance, air resistance does come in because obviously that'll slow you down. Eventually you'll, your curve will start getting tighter and tighter and eventually you'll impact on the Earth, right? But 
Right. With yeah. no air. No. Okay. So that's the that's the concept. You're basically falling, but you're moving fast enough that as you fall, the earth is moving away from you at the same rate as you're falling. So let's look back at this scene. Admittedly, I took some liberties with the selection this week. Um, I did initially look at a few other options. So gravity was kind of a classic example, that movie. Yeah. Great scene about things orbiting. But I really like the imagery of this kind of bone being thrown upright, kind of this whole cannonball idea, and then sort of, quote unquote, becoming the the spaceship. There's a lot of metaphor and imagery in that movie about like technology and how it affects humans and stuff like that. So like the bone is the initial technology and then it becomes the spaceship. It's like, you know, it's a whole fancy fancy film theory stuff. Um, so I like the imagery a lot and it kind of has to do with, you know, launching into space and how orbits are created and how they're, they're formed. So sure. if we look at these space stations around the earth, at the very beginning of 2001, a space odyssey before they head off to Jupiter or the moon, um, they look like they're just stationary and they're just hanging there, just chilling above the earth, right? Spinning, but you know, whatever, not, they don't look like they're moving very fast, Yeah. but the fact that they're orbiting the earth and not falling in towards it means that uh, they must be traveling super fast, right, around the Earth. And every satellite has to be moving super fast around the Earth so that they don't just fall straight in. Because they naturally right. would if they weren't moving very quickly. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's how it ties into the scene. <laughs> You're such a stinker. Just listen to the other Strauss's uh, uh, Blue Danube and, and you'll have a good time. Okay, so that's the idea of orbits. You're falling, you know, but not ever getting any closer. Yeah. So, Ian, where on Earth do we see this in the world today, or maybe outside the world today might be more yeah, appropriate. Yeah, I was say, it's pretty tough to see orbits on Earth. Could you imagine if we were, if we lived on an Earth where people were orbiting things at, like... That'd be scary. Like, I don't know, cruising altitude of planes. Very scary. It's just like, every now and then you just see, like, a baseball come flying <laughs> around the Earth, because it's been stuck up there since some hey, guy hit it. if you ended up, if we had moon colonies... And, there, and we didn't make those by having an atmosphere. We made like little enclosed domes. <laughs> That's a very real possibility that you could just have oh a bunch gosh. of things flying around at like a mile up or less. Not good. No, not great. <laughs> uh, well, the obviously obvious one you already said is satellites. Mm-hmm. Right. We all know about satellites hanging out up there. Got Starlink uh, GPS. Starlink GPS. Sputnik. Right. Might not be up there anymore. But if you've ever seen Starlink, you've seen... Right, what looks like a bunch of shooting stars flying across the across space as they make their way into their final orbit. Right. Yeah, so... Right, and you could see how fast they're moving in that case. Yeah. So if they're launching a, a satellite, as we do all the time, there's thousands of satellites in, 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 in atmosphere, right? In, you know, in the upper atmosphere. Right. If you think about what an orbit is, it always looks like they just launch straight up, right? The rockets, right? They always just go straight, straight away from the surface of the Earth. Yeah. But obviously that can't be the case because if they did that, they wouldn't be moving at this super fast rate sideways to the Earth to get into the orbit, they'd, right? Right. They'd go straight up and then they would come straight down. Exactly, right. Um, well, I guess because the Earth is spinning, they'd look like they were coming down at a different point. But yeah. Oh, boy. Here we go. Yeah, yeah we're not going to get the Coriolis effect. Well, <laughs> we might in a bit. My uh, favorite. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, right. So they, they launch up immediately straight up, obviously. But once they get high enough where the air gets thinner, then they start turning and start boosting tangential to the earth because they need to to get into an orbit so if you want to have orbit and not just fall you need to have that thing yeah great point Ian. any other yeah well i guess we can talk about it only doesn't apply 
to Earth, right? This isn't unique just to Earth. Mm. It's a physics principle. It happens everywhere. So what's our entire solar system? All of our planets happen to be orbiting the sun. Yeah, exactly. All desperately trying to fall into it, but moving too quick to ever make it. And thank goodness they don't. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Um, I'm sure you have maybe one or two you don't want me to spoil, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, uh, part of part of this is is kind of the whole turtles all the way down, right? So, as Ian said, <laughs> planets orbit the sun, but moons orbit planets. Stars orbit the center of galaxies, right? Like this, it's a very scalable thing, right? It's one of those kind of fundamental physics things, as physics likes to be, where it's fundamental. It describes a lot of different layers and levels of phenomena, right? All this, like, you know, the gravitational, gravitation attracts things. Therefore, if they're moving past each other, they will have some sort of orbit to them. It might not be an elliptical orbit. It might be a hyperbolic where they just will never, they'll never actually be bound to each other. They'll just pass each other, but they'll follow in some sort of orbital path. Sure. It's everywhere. What do galaxies orbit? So it depends. Um, this is where we're going to get correction zone because I took one astro class in undergrad, but, uh, to my understanding, there are some cases where you get galactic clusters, right? Um, but some uh, clusters are in there's a bunch of different categories of clusters. I actually don't know if it's fully studied if these clusters are themselves orbiting their own centers of masses or if these... I don't know. I mean, because there's Andromeda and the Milky Way, right? Which I think we said are on a collision course at some point. So they're not quite Uh-oh. orbiting, right? They're kind of going to collide. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't answer that definitively. But galactical okay. clusters are a thing. And then even beyond that, there's sort of the superstructure of the universe where there's like filaments of denser matter where galactic clusters are more prevalent. I don't know if orbits really factor in at that scale, though. So question. astro people, if you're out there listening, and I know there's at least one. It's true. I know at least please, one of you. Please tell us. Yeah. What do sure. galaxies orbit? Uh, so this one's a bit of a... Sorry, if you have another one that's more relevant, this one is kind of a, a bit of a interesting one, but it's more for like the math and physics nerds out there than for like the general listener. No, I don't, I don't have anything coming to mind immediately here. Okay, cool. So indulge me, audience. Oh, boy. Because um, I think this is really interesting. So we talked about in, in, the, in the episode 15, the dodgeball one, talked about how things follow parabolic paths, right? Trajectories are always parabolic for anything that's on the Earth's surface, right? But yet, when we're looking at orbits, right, when we zoom out a little further, we have elliptical paths, right? These orbits, they're not, off, they're not usually circles, though a circle is a special case of an ellipse. Usually they follow elliptical paths. And just for in case you're rough on your, rough on your geometry at all, an ellipse is basically a squashed circle. Um, it's defined by having two foci, two focal points that geometrically, whatever, not that important. But one of the focal points in an, in an elliptical orbit is the thing it's orbiting. So like the sun is at one of the focal points, the foci of the Earth's orbit, um, in case you want to get into geometry of it. But, Ian, here's a question for you. Uh-oh, I don't like where this is going. How are ellipses and parabolas related, and are they related? Why are you asking me this question? Yeah, in case you remember I your... I look for a pop quiz here. I don't, I don't, maybe you remember your, you know, pre-calc or algebra geometry stuff from high school. Uh, no, not at all. all right. Interesting, this is kind of a fun fact. It's, I think it's interesting. They're both what we call conic sections, which is like a very Greek idea. Um, but we don't have to focus on that because that includes lines and also circles and also hyperbolas. But if you look at just parabolas and ellipses, they're actually the same shape. 
the thing, the way you make a parabola is you take an ellipse with these two focal points, these two foci, and you just move one of the focuses up to infinity. You just move it to the end of the universe, and the shape that it makes is a parabola. Because a, a ellipse, the way you define an ellipse's perimeter, the way you define that shape, is every point on that shape is equidistant, or I should say, if you add up the distances from that point to both focuses, the sum of those two distances is always constant. And that's the thing that defines the shape. So if you do that math and you move one of the focuses off to infinity, you get a parabola. Okay. That sounds a lot of, you know, sort of uh, ridiculous, not seemingly important. I can't believe you thought I was going to remember that. Oh, come on. Conic, well, maybe the second part. Conic sections. electromagnetics now. Okay, conic sections are super <laughs> cool. Um, but anyway, all right. So, so, that actually, so that idea of like, an ellipse just being a special, or a parabola being a special case of an ellipse, actually, I think, and this is, I haven't vetted this with anyone. It's more of like, I'm pretty sure this is right, and it makes sense to Uh-oh. me, so it's interesting. I have some misinformation here. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I'm putting it out there that I, I'm fairly confident this is this is a good way to think about it, because it makes sense to me. But, all right, so a parabola is like a special case of an ellipse, where one of the foci is off at infinity, right? Okay. So, on a flat planet... Right, uh, quote unquote. If the flat, if the Earth was flat, right, you can uh-huh. kind of think of the the. And this is this is the thing you should be very familiar with, Ian, as a physics person. And this is for all oh, the physics boy. people out there. But when you're near the sh- the surface of a sphere, it looks flat, right. And yep. so if you if you have this sphere, this flat Earth, right, the the sphere that would make a flat Earth would have a an, a, a center. That's infinitely far away, right? It's, it's it's super far away. You make this massive sphere that's essentially flat wherever you are, no matter how big you are, right? So the center of this, the center of mass, for example, of this Earth that's huge, is infinitely far away. It's an infinitely large sphere. It's a flat surface underneath you, right? That's how you get a you know mathematically make a flat surface from a sphere. Okay. So, therefore, the center of mass of the Earth, which is one of the foci of this elliptical orbit is then becoming a parabola. That elliptical orbit becomes a parabola because the foci is off at infinity where the center of the Earth is, and that makes a flat surface. So in a way, a parabola on a flat surface is an elliptical orbit. It's just an elliptical orbit around a, a sphere that is flat and therefore infinitely large. Like I said, it's a little esoteric, maybe. What in tarnation? I think it's really interesting. So <laughs> this also... So what's your... Sorry. Okay. No, no, no. You go. No, go ahead. No, please, please. So what you're saying is because – oh, gosh. Hypothetically. All my geometry nerds are loving this right now, I hope. If Earth was flat, mm-hmm. what that would mean is that uh, its center of mass would have to be infinitely far away. If it was a, a sphere but it looked flat, yes. Yes. Additionally, mm-hmm. if you were to take – one end of a of a ellipse. of an ellipse mm-hmm. and send it away to infinity. Yeah, one of the foci specifically, not technically one the, the end of the ellipse. Yeah, yes, one of the foci, which it must because that's how our orbits work, mm-hmm. right? The, our our two centers of mass have to be included or have to be the two foci. Yeah. Well, one of them is one of the foci. The other one is just a random point. But yeah, so many corrections around sorry. here. Sorry, well, I don't want to get one into of correction zone too much. Yeah, that's fair. Then. What you're saying is an ellipse mm-hmm. or, a, or a parabola or a parabola would also be an orbit, even yeah. though it's an elliptical orbit. It's just when you make one of the foci infinitely far away, it becomes a parabola. 
He just hit the ground. Yeah. I mean, the shape <laughs> is an ellipse, right? It's the, it's the worst orbit ever. It's a pretty bad orbit. Um, <laughs> but this also ties in to the mathematical underpinnings for why we have a parabola. Like, how we calculate to get a par- parabolic trajectory and how we calculate to get an elliptical trajectory, right? These aren't random shapes that just appear out of nowhere. If you do the math, you use apply the forces that they think exist, right? You get these shapes naturally, right? So... Let's look at the Earth, right? So yes. we can use parabolic orbits near the surface of the Earth, right? We do it all the time. Newton did it. It worked fine for Newton. It wasn't until much later uh, that, well, actually, no, it wasn't until Newton. Sorry. It worked for Galileo. It wasn't until Newton that he realized, hold on, wait a minute. So because we're near the surface of the Earth, you know, the Earth has a radius of, I don't know how many meters, a lot of meters, thousands of meters, right? One Earth radius. One Earth, exactly. One radius of the Earth. Um, and so the math that underpins getting parabolic orbits, right? We talked about this, or parabolic trajectory. We, we talked about this a little bit in the dodgeball one. Is you assume that the force of gravity is constant and it's always downwards, right? No matter what you're, sure. no matter how high you are off the surface of the Earth, it, it's nine point eight meters per second downwards, right? If you do that constant acceleration on anything that's in the air, it'll follow a parabolic trajectory, just like we talked about in the dodgeball episode, right? And the reason we can do that, we can make that assumption, because it's not true. The, 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 the real physics that applies is as you get further away, the force gets weaker. The acceleration gets lower the further away you are, right? Yep. But on the Earth's surface, because we're looking down a very narrow band of altitudes, right? We're not talking about shooting something into space, because that would therefore all of a sudden be elliptical, right? For that small region, it doesn't change much. So it's like 9.8 at the surface, and maybe it's 9.79 I don't know, a kilometer up, probably not, probably less than that, but whatever, right? It doesn't change a lot. And therefore, the math is relatively good with a parabola. But, you know, for bigger changes, like going into orbit, you all of a sudden need to start worrying about ellipses because then you start seeing the effects of the drop-off in the force's strength. Sure. Right. Cool. So, bringing you back to that whole infinitely-sized Earth thing, right? Oh, boy. That's the whole idea, right? And this is a very physics person way of thinking about it, right? It's kind of like on the scales that, you know, does the scale matter if it's like a small change versus a large change? You know, that kind of stuff is really important, right? So any distance you get away from an infinitely large Earth, so on a flat Earth, right, any any distance you get will be negligible, right? So parables will always be correct on an infinitely sized Earth, right? Because no matter how far, if you, if you go a thousand miles away from infinity versus one mile away from infinity, it's infinity plus one or infinity plus a thousand. It's basically the same number, right? So the force right. doesn't, doesn't, it changes very negligibly. It's a very physics thing to say, right? And therefore, effectively, it's a constant force and effectively, it's a parabola. So all I have to say, I kind of went on a, on a bit of a diatribe when I was in, my, in the shower earlier today, but like, wait a minute, the math makes sense. It should be a parabola for a flat earth. Um, so there you go. Hey, geometry nerds, if you're out there, please tell Will how happy you were with that little bit there. And if you weren't happy with it, that's fine. It probably would have worked better with a visual medium. I just kind of had to get that bit off my chest because I've been like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> and, and I could be wrong. Like I said, I, I didn't vet it with anybody. I kind of just thought of that in the shower. So, oh boy. I think it's neat though. See, because he doesn't get any corrections, he thinks he's right about it. Ah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm invincible. Um, <laughs> Invincible. See, I think we'll skip the next one I had because it's even well. It's actually it's like a it's a good analogy. It 
is not Orbits. Oh, um, so we what? won't we won't talk about it. But and in brief, we maybe we can talk about it later in a different episode. Um, any sort of vortex in the air, for example, like a tornado or a hurricane or a cyclone or whatever, you can make an analogy to that to this sort of orbit idea of like missing the surface of the Earth. We won't talk about it because it's a bit of a it's a bit of a leap, but I think it's interesting, and I might, we might talk about it later. Maybe we talk about the Coriolis effect or something. Uh, keep it in our back pocket. Yeah, exactly. Just keep that. You know, it's interesting. Anyway, all right. You got an orbit punchline. Real life, uh, real life stuff. Yeah, me too. I tried to come up with a with a good one, but I I couldn't come up with anything else. Yeah, I mean, outside of astronomy and cosmology, like you know, orbits don't really happen on Earth. You know, so like, yeah, they affect everything. Satellites affect our daily life all the time, right? GPS is huge, right? So they they play a big a big part, and like geosynchronous ones are really important too. Spy satellite. Geosynchronous is an is a is satellite in orbit that remains over the same spot geographically for those of us listening. Exactly. Exactly. And they're able to do that only if they're traveling at a certain rate, right? And therefore it depends right. on how high you are. There's like a range of yeah. altitudes you can be at. Right. Yeah. Orbit. For a nice clean feeling, no matter what. There's my <laughs> That's your punchline. There's my punchline. <laughs> All right, folks, if you have corrections on what we'll, anything we'll talked about, especially the uh, part when he got into shapes got and a little too criticized far me in. for not knowing my shapes, <laughs> yeah. you can absolutely do that by tweeting at us at Podcast Frames. You can also email us, referenceframespodcast at gmail.com. And those are the best ways to contact us. We'd love to hear from you all uh, all the time. It's always so fun when I open the Twitter account. And it's like, ooh, there's a mention. Ooh, there's a little notification. Ooh, there's a reply. It's love our favorite. It. Love it all. Also, if you could make more fan art, and we're always looking for more fan art. We're always looking for fan art, which is good fun. Uh, so moving on to questions from the audience. From longtime contributor, longtime fan, at Davey Nelly. Davey Nelly again? He's back. Strikes once more. And he was responding to our One Way Mirror episode, which I don't wow. have the number on hand with me. But he said, so you guys just talked about One Way Mirrors. How does that science apply to the privacy computer screens used to keep away looky-loos? Any potential viewer would be on the same side of the screen. What's up with that? Mm. Davey Nelly, good question. And thank you for listening to episode 17, The Visual Suspects. Um, so that's a great question. And I did not know the answer to this uh, until uh, I looked it up. So it's actually nothing to do with relative proportions of light coming in or out one way or the other. It's not any kind of... well. It's not really any kind of polarizer. It's sort of similar to that. It's actually a lot simpler. It's a very simple concept on how a lot of those things work. Maybe, maybe not all of them, but how a lot of them work. So those are not familiar. Basically, these are like little sheets, little, like, pl- uh, little uh, plastic, sort of like thin, paper-thin sheets. So you kind of put them over your screens, and you can view them just fine from in front. But if you go to the sides or go above them, it goes all black. You can't see anything, right? It's meant to kind of hide sensitive information from anyone else that's not directly in front of it. And the way they work is super, uh, it's, it's, it's so, it's almost elegant in its simplicity. So you can imagine it's basically the exact same principle as window blinds. So on that little thin sheet, there's a bunch of little perpendicular to the, to the surface of the sheet, uh, little opaque ridges, I guess, that just like form a matrix, form a, a grid. And therefore, when you're looking at it straight on, just like window blind, if you open them, right, the light comes 
straight through them horizontally and it comes out of the screen just fine. But if you look at it at an angle, just like if you look you know, at open window blinds from above or below or you close your blinds, right? You're looking at it and, and all of the little uh, outcroppings of the, the grid block all the light. So it's not actually any kind of fancy light bending or anything like that. Not on most of them. It's really just as simple as just having a bunch of little slats that let out light in one direction, but then if you look at it from an angle, they block all the light. So that, I hope that answers your question, David Nelly. Ian, do you, do you think that makes sense? Yeah, I, th yeah, I think that makes sense. Cool. Uh, you could also think about it, remember in the uh, maybe the the 2010s when we had those goofy sunglasses? Oh, the shutter shades? The, the, the shutter shades that were, I think LMFAO wore them a lot. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and you could kind of like... Rocking. Yeah, party rocking in the house tonight. Think about those sunglasses, but now make it smaller and put it on your computer screen. Yeah, yeah. So basically, at, at an angle, you know, they all kind of align to block everything, but straight on there. So you can see through. through. Yeah. Cool. And every day you're shuffling. Every day. Great. I, I got a lot of... Uh, I had an afro at that point, and I'm very white, so I got a lot of... I'm like, wow, you look just like LMFAO. And I was like, thanks. Thanks. So, good old 2011. A tragic story, LMFAO. Yeah. I don't have an afro anymore. It's true. He doesn't. Bring it back. Uh, maybe. Maybe when, when I get okay. tenure. How about that? Um, but yeah, great good. question, David Nelly. Yet again, you're just zinging these things at us. I appreciate it. Wow. 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 Once again, if you want to ask us a question, we love to answer physics questions, especially if they're about the episodes that uh, or lessons that we've done. You can do that at Podcast Frames or ReferenceFramesPodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from people. It's always a good time. I've said it twice now, so I'll stop saying it. Never stop saying it. Our audience is is, is amazing. Yeah, the uh, the frame heads are the best. <laughs> That's the, we'll, we'll workshop that one. The refies. <laughs> the, the refies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll work. We'll workshop it. Yeah, we'll work on that a little bit more. Uh, you got anything else you want to say? You got any big punchlines for the episode? Uh, thank you for humoring me on my little uh, math fueled uh, tirade. I had a lot of fun with it. I was imagining a lot of our viewers just sitting there going, okay, yeah, you go off. Yeah, sure, Will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever you say, Will. I'll skip ahead off, five bro. minutes. Steve is still talking about it. Oh, he's still talking about <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, oh, no. still talking about I'll it. Huh? five minutes. Oh, he's still talking about it. Oh, no. <laughs> he's still going about this ellipse thing. <laughs> telling you, go talk to your high school, either geometry, probably, I think for me, it was my uh, uh, pre-calc or college algebra or whatever. Talk to them. They would love to hear about it because they'd love to talk to you about it because it's, it's really cool stuff. Yeah, and then tell them about our podcast, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. All right, folks. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Ta-ta. Mm -hmm.